0: Father, we thank you that the words of Jesus spoken 2,000 years ago still speak to us. And we thank you so much that you have been a neighbor to us, a friend to us, that you've seen us where we are and you've come to where we are. And you've knelt by our sides and you've washed our wounds and you've placed us upon your shoulders and you've taken us to a place where we can find life and we thank you that because you have knelt by our side and because you have washed our wounds we are made new and that one day you will take us to be with you in a mansion but you also say that you are with us now and Lord the thing that has wooed our hearts has been your love for us Because we haven't deserved your love. We haven't deserved your attention. And yet you have loved and you do love. And you continue to love. And so we pray, Father, as we reflect on this very familiar story that you will just teach us deep within our own beings what you call us to be and do. That others will know that you live because we are willing to kneel by the side of those who are hurting. And we're also willing to allow those to kneel by our side when we are hurting. So Father, we ask you to take us deeper this morning in the love of Jesus. With all its fullness and richness that you might be honored and glorified in his name. Amen. So reflecting on Jericho Road, the name Jericho Road, the fact that Jericho Road has a name of a street that basically links Jericho and Jerusalem. I remind you of a few things. There's a PowerPoint. You can just put it up. It's, it, it's an old one that you'll recognize. I'll refer to it later. There we go. No, it's not that. That's the third one. That's the climax, the end. Oh, you've just blown it completely. Don't worry. Just go back three. That's cool. Brad will help you because he's going to demonstrate the Good Samaritan. Jericho Road. One end of Jericho Road is Jerusalem. It's the top of a mountain, 3,000 feet up or 2,000 feet up. Jericho is the first stronghold that was taken in the Promised Land. It was the surprise package when God said, Look, here it is, I'll give it to you, the Promised Land flowing with milk and honey. And the first thing they have to do is actually take some ground because it was occupied by enemy. That's one of the first principles we're learning, that uh, to follow Jesus means to take ground. It's not mean to go to Club Med. That doesn't work. Jericho is also one of the lowest places on earth. It's it's close to the Dead Sea, which is the lowest place on earth. Minus 1,000 feet or something. So between Jericho and Jerusalem is about 3,600 feet, I believe. And it's a road that's steep, and until the 1930s, apparently, uh, you weren't advised to travel on your own, because it's dangerous, and people would attack you. It's also not very wide. It's really, really hard to miss anybody on that road. So if you walk by on the other side, you basically step over them. And we're thinking, and we have been thinking in this last year, about how uh, God seems to be speaking to us about being prisoners, being in a captive alien land which is ruled by darkness, Uh, the rebellion, if you will, against what God has created, and the promised land overlapping that, which is uh, what Jesus introduced when he came onto earth, which we've just celebrated through Christmas, that he came to say this is actually all this land in which you live and you regard as normal and natural is all defiled and is all deformed in a way, is all the result of a decay that has taken place over multitudes and multitudes of years and is not very close to what I made it. So when you see beauty in this world, you're seeing the residue of what God actually created. So it must be incredibly beautiful if we can even appreciate beauty now. And Jesus came to say... uh, I am actually the ruler of this world and this is my world and I'm coming to take it back and I'm inviting you to help me do that. Not because I need you so much but because I'm going to build you up in the process. And so Jesus came to call us to himself that we might have life and know the life in part that he created us to live from the beginning. And I'm not going to go through the whole... you know, Every every talk can sort of cover the whole theological spectrum and we don't have time. So what we're thinking about today is this story of Jesus telling about the Good Samaritan. And behind it is the word I spoke right at the beginning, which is God's Spirit flows, the river flows in the low places, in the valleys. That's where the fruit grows. And that's where the life is. And it's really easy to... To sign on to Jesus or after a while settle into a nice routine with Jesus. Where Jesus basically is kind of the fringe benefits of life and he just makes everything else comfortable that I do and I just ask him to bless my existence. And, you know, suffering, as somebody said, is having a bad hair day in the West, you know. Um, And I think one of the things God is doing in the West is challenging us by what's happening in the third world. His power is incredibly present there. Uh, Not to heap huge amounts of guilt, because this is where we live, but to really say there's so much more. And for us to begin to understand that when he said, you know, there's a banquet, and a, a man had a banquet, and he invited people to come, and people were busy, so it went to the poor and the highways and the byways, to realize we are the rich ones who usually are too busy to go to the banquet. So we sort of create our own little banquets to sort of celebrate, but they're really not that powerful. And I want to reiterate that I'm going to say some challenging things today, but it's not about guilt. It's about trying to go deeper with the Lord and and see that there's more for us. But the good news of Christianity is what? We're invited to die. See, Jericho Road is a road. It's a dust road. It's not vehicles, it's walking. And when you walk on a dust road for any period of time, there's only so much you can carry. And so the very nature of travelling with Jesus means, so what are you going to leave behind? Or what's important? Or what's going to become heavy along the way? And that's going to be part of the experience. Some of us might be walking along that road really tired because we're dragging this huge trailer (laughs) of the stuff we're not ready to get let go of yet, and we're not enjoying the trip at all. And what happens along this road is that God is wanting to refine us. So guess what? We're going to find along the way there are going to be all kinds of challenges and revelations and decisions where Jesus says, So what do you love? Who do you serve? Why are we here? And I'm thinking of Paul's words to the Philippians where he says, um, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now that's really important because there's an element where, yes, Jesus has come to, gone to the cross for my sin. Yes, Jesus has died on the cross and he's risen again so that I might have life. But it's really easy, if you're like me, to say, thanks Jesus, and I just pray you'll bless the rest of my life. And I take hold of him, and before I'm aware, Jesus and God, the Father and the Holy Spirit are basically there serving me. And I sort out what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it, how I'm going to do it, and then I just pray for him to bless that, and I just thank him for it. And I get a warm feeling and I call it the Holy Spirit. And when I manage to avoid situations, I say I feel peace. And I'm actually on a very low level of spiritual life. And so when Jesus says, Come and follow me along Jericho Road, he goes, I have taken hold of you. So I'm God. And if you love me, then follow me. And what does that mean? That will mean all kinds of things. But a a lawyer came to Jesus and he spoke to him. Because lawyers are clever. They like showing their stuff. And there were a lot of people, the intellectuals, who were trying to catch Jesus out, because they liked doing that, or trying anyway. And the lawyer says to Jesus, um, Teacher, flattery is a good thing when you're challenging someone. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And he's only asking it because he thinks he's going to get approved, right? And he, he, he says, what do I have to do? And Jesus says, well, what is written in the law? And he replied, how do you read it? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your information. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, that's cool. Well, he might have if he was living today. That's right. Nice information, Mr. Lawyer. Go and do it. And the lawyer goes, "Um, wait a minute, maybe there's a misunderstanding. Because like me, do it? No, 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 let's talk about it a little longer. Maybe let's have a Bible study for five years so we don't have to do it. You know what I mean? That's really the essence of what we're talking about today, I'm afraid. It's that kind of do it stuff. Um, And I don't want to be alone in the battle between theory and practice you know so the lawyer says um, but I mean who is my neighbor and Jesus tells the story of this man who's on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he gets beaten up by robbers and everything gets robbed and he's left half naked or pretty much naked on the, on the side of the road and then a Levite walks by, who's a religious leader, um, and then a, another priest walks by, and, and they walk by on the other side, because they're busy serving God. And a Samaritan comes by, and a Samaritan, if you, you need to understand, Samaritan is like speaking in Israel about a Palestinian. If you te- wherever you teach the story, you, the Samaritan becomes the, the person you most despise. So when Jesus said Samaritan, it was, it was volatile, it was insulting. Whatever culture, when I, we, we talked about the story in South Africa, it would be, if you were in a white congregation, you'd say, a black man, stop. If you were in Montreal and you were speaking to English, you'd say a French person. In Canada, somewhere, in some places, you might say Native Indian. And in a Native Indian culture, you might say, a white person. Whoever you most despise or struggle with is the Samaritan, that's the point. And the Samaritan stops and he he sees this man, well all the, all the others have seen him too, and it says he goes to him and then he bathes his wounds and then he picks him up and he puts him on his donkey and he goes to an inn and then he pays for the night stay and he stays there overnight and then he says, look, just make sure this guy is okay and I'll come back and I'll, I'll I'll pay for the rest of it. And Jesus' response was, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? And the expert in the law replied, uh, the one who had mercy, Jesus. And, you know, Jesus could have kept quiet there. But he had this habit of just digging it in a little bit. So he goes go and do likewise go and do it but I'm a lawyer I don't do that kind of thing that's the trouble you define yourself by your position who says you don't do it who determined that barrier where does that come from it doesn't come from God Notice in the story, you know, they don't spend a lot of time Jesus saying, you know, the guy should have looked where he was going, he deserved to be beaten up because he was a fool to travel alone. He doesn't talk about who this man was who was dying on the side of the road. He doesn't say anything about that at all. Which leads me to the uncomfortable conclusion that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's lying on the side of the road. If you see somebody in need, do something about it. It doesn't tell us either that the good Samaritan, the Samaritan who was good, it doesn't tell us that he was rich. It doesn't tell us that he wasn't busy. It doesn't tell us that he had a family waiting for him that night. Because all it tells us is the Samaritan saw the need and he responded to the need. And he got inconvenienced. And he used his time, his hands, his money, his donkey. And his influence, probably, to help this man. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. I believe that is the heart of what God's calling Jericho Road to. It's easy to say we don't want church as usual. We're just moving the songs around. The river flows in the lowest places. The rivers flow in the place of humility of servanthood where there's need Jesus didn't say you know the guys walked by because they were well, they were prayer warriors or there was a worship leader or he was a teacher it seems to me he said you know none of those things are excuses for not loving one another. Practically. It matters not an iota if you're praying for me and I'm hungry. Give me some food out of your cupboard. If you believe God provides, then you do it. You see, I think that's what God's teaching us. If you look at these ministries, and we're going to talk about them around the world, that's their witness, that's their testimony. You give what you have, and then watch what God does. But you'll never know what God does unless you give what you have. Because you can't say, you know, Peter could have spent a lot of time arguing with Jesus. You show me that I can walk on water, and then I'll walk on water. Basically, Peter had to start walking and then he found that he was walking on water. Jackie Polinger's ministry in Hong Kong has been going for about 30 years now. It's a ministry to drug addicts and and uh, people who have been really messed up with drug addictions. And all she has done is go in there and provide places for them to be and then pray over them. Sometimes they pray over them for, for eight days, 24 hours a day, and they come off drugs, called turkey. It's a powerful ministry and it's happening in Europe as well. And she makes a comment in one of her talks where she says, you know, people come from the West and they, um, all these people have a sort of love-hate relationship with the West by the sound of it because they, you know, she said these people come and, and they kind of go, well, um, I, you know, I'd like to come and help, but I like Tuesdays off. And she's not a very diplomatic person. She says, um, the first thing we have to deal with with most people who come and help is the bottom line. Like, you might not have your own bedroom, and you might not have your own washroom, and you might not be off on Tuesdays, because the poor don't know it's Tuesday. And she says, the first thing we have to do is deal with bottom lines. Are you a servant or not? And what I want to ask us, what's your bottom line? What's your bottom line as you serve Jesus? How low is it? How many qualifications do you have before you will say yes? How many times do you say no before you say yes? To me the Good Samaritan says I say yes to the Lord all the time. If I'm busy sensing and following Him and I'm going to qualify that because I really have no patience at all for individual anointings. In other words, God told me to do this and that justifies it. I believe God verifies what he tells us through one another because that keeps us honest. And it's intriguing. We used to joke in England that nobody was called to the ministry in the north of England because it wasn't so pleasant. as the south. Human beings left to our own resources tend to choose the gravy. So we need to take ourselves with a pinch of salt. But God... So loved the world that he became human. And in Isaiah it says he wasn't even very good looking. In order that I might know his love and his grace and his mercy. And his bottom line was way, way, way into nothingness. And I believe if Jericho Road is going to be different, which we say we want to be, The Holy Spirit will work as us, we as individuals, humble ourselves and stop and start letting go of our agendas. And start humbling ourselves and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Because it's in the doing it that the growth takes place. It's in the doing it that the, gra- the grace flows. It's in the doing it that the transformation happens. So humility and service is what God calls us to. And therefore, um, how do we do that very quickly? I think we need to learn to be two-faced. That picture up there was one we used about coming into that place where Jesus opens, on the, on the resurrection side of the crucifixion, there's an open door to heaven where God's Spirit is present and we can uh, be, know his power and his presence because of the cross. But in what, what the Good Samaritan is telling us, I think, is that there are two faces for every Christian. The one is the face inward. You can show the next one. The, is the face inward, which is 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 looking into heaven and is actually looking into your relationship with Jesus. And one of the things to consider this morning is, what is your relationship with Jesus like right now? What is your worship like? How do you sense his love for you? How vibrant is that relationship? Because he wants it to be vibrant. And there's no accusation in this. It's just very simply, if it's not vibrant, ask him to help you make it vibrant. It's very simple. That's what's called humility. When we have these prayer times after communion, we should have lots of prayer for, Lord, just help me to be open to you. There's too much pride around here. Way too much pride. We're desperately sick. Very opinionated and very spoiled. And God loves us deeply and he just says, come to me and I will do it for you. But you're going to have to ask. So you need to face inward and say, Lord, how uh, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for who I am in you and all that stuff. You know it. But we need to invest time to do it. But it's not a replacement for turning around and standing in that doorway and letting the light of Jesus spill out into the world around us and saying, Lord, show me what you see here. And how do you want me to respond in the light of your presence in the world in which I live. And that's where the Good Samaritan is, and that's where the people lying down on the side of the road are. Now there's some people that the God gives for us to care for. There will also be strangers, but it's what falls into that light around your doorway with him. I don't know what that is. I know the attitude is one of Lord... I am your servant. You see, we were talking the other day at the men's breakfast. The Western world and our culture is enormously tired of words, like I'm talking now. They're tired of hearing words. They want to see and experience the love of God in action. What's it like to have someone bathe my wounds? What's it like to have someone pay a bill? with no strings attached. What's it like for that to happen for a year or two? Not just one off. What's it like to live like that? One of the big challenges we have is how do we love one another? And the Good Samaritan story is, is about you just draw alongside and are there and do whatever is required. You see, the person who kneels by the side of the man on the side of the road doesn't set the agenda, he responds to the need. Too often, we kneel down or we come alongside with our agenda and say, well, this is what I will do. And much of the time, I think, we just pray for each other and then walk off and leave you at the side of the road. It gets messy, but it's also the way God works and grows us. So we look in and we look out. And I want to challenge us as we finish today. We wrote and printed um, some brochures. You got them at house groups, some of you. I can find one here. They're called uh, Knowing God, Believing Jesus. They'll be up on the stage here. The challenge for the new year. God can use every single one of us. Forget about your screwed up life. Forget about your, you know, your personality. He's bigger than that. There's somebody in your life, right now, who doesn't know Jesus. And you are that good Samaritan. And I don't know how it's going to work. The, the suggestion is pick up a brochure and say Lord who do you want me to give this to excuse me not give it and run away give it as part of drawing them into a relationship with Jesus and if you go well I don't know how to do that well that should be a motivation to work out how to do that And if you give Jesus the opportunity to use you, he will. So in three months' time, we'd like to see Jericho Road at 180 people. I'm not joking. The only reason churches don't grow is because we, we come to be entertained or we play at being Christian. This is, this is life-giving. This is actually what's fun. Imagine if somebody is dying of a disease and you have penicillin. And you have the joy of giving them penicillin and see them healed. Isn't that cool? And Jesus is so much more than penicillin. The problem is we don't think that. So I'm encouraging us and exhorting us to say, Lord, will you lighten a flame in us that both creates a deeper sense of our worship of you as we look in that doorway and also creates a deeper sense of your heart and compassion for the world outside that doorway that you have called me to go and serve in flesh and blood, not in theory and prayer. Of course you need the prayer, but it's got to be expressed. And Lord, will you give me one person that I can uh, pray for, not as a project, These are not projects. These are people whom the Lord loves and he he just wants to use somebody to share that with them. That you're going to say, Lord, use me and teach me how to walk alongside someone, how to share Jesus with them, how to pray for them, how to pray for healing, and how to bring them into a community. And I guarantee you, if you spend three months really seriously saying, Lord, let's have some fun and do this, a lot of the other issues in your life will actually find resolution. Because I think sometimes we get a little too self-obsessed. Now, there's one more thing, because we all have our biases, right? The person lying at the side of the road is also you and me. And we can walk by ourselves. You see, we're all wounded, we're all broken, we're all incomplete. And part of humility is about acknowledging that. But it's not acknowledging that as an excuse and therefore going, but I can't because I'm weak. It's going, Jesus, will you work in me and through me with that? But the point I'm trying to make is we will most effectively share the love of Jesus with others to the degree that we allow others to share the love of Jesus with us. So if nobody ever has an opportunity to bathe your wounds, don't be surprised if what you offer is not particularly powerful because it will come from a superficial place. Because Jesus said, kind of the last side... All I'm talking about is this very, very familiar theme. Jesus said, Love one another as I have loved you, and I cannot love somebody to the depth that Jesus has loved me if I've never received that love. If Jesus has loved me enough to go to the cross for me and rise again, what's my bottom line if that was his? I don't think there is one, quite frankly. I think every time we make it an excuse, we just need to go to Jesus and say, I can't do that yet. And confess it as pride or sin or rebellion. And then just say, Lord, teach me how to, teach me how to break through that. And I think if Paul Alberni saw people doing this stuff, however it works for each person, that will change this valley where the river flows at the deepest place, which is in humility of those who serve and among those who are most broken. And that's where we all really are. So you have up here, By this they shall know that you are my disciples, love one another. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, do what it says. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these you did not do for me. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? As I have loved you, love one another. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Greater love has no man than this to lay down his life for a friend." It's kind of difficult to miss, isn't it? Which is, if you say it, then do it. Let me experience it and my life will be changed. Isn't that cool? Yeah, right. (laughs) It is cool. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because we bring him where we are and like the other disciples, we have to learn. And we have to learn, oh man, I'm not as holy as I thought. Oh man, I'm not as loving as I thought. Oh man, I'm 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 not close. In the hands of Jesus, that is conviction that leads to transformation. In the hands of Satan, that is condemnation and shame. So let's just bring it to Jesus and ask him to make us all that he wants us to be. Be still, and Father, will you just speak to each of us, maybe? Thank you that there's absolutely no condemnation in your heart. It's, this is all about how to love each other, and how to love the stranger. And how to be open to the Spirit of Jesus. So let's ask Jesus, first of all, let's look in the doorway and give him permission to lead us into a deeper relationship with him. Because we can never have enough, we've never arrived with that one. Lord, what is it that you want to lead me into? What is it that you want to release in me that will enable me to know that I'm loved more by you, I'm accepted by you, I'm pleasing to you, I'm special to you, I'm precious to you. Show me an area in my life where I'm not really believing that and so I'm not risking or trusting you. And if you know what that is, then just give him permission to melt that. There could be many, many things, but just take one and say, Lord, I bring that to you, and I, I just give you permission to teach me how to let that go or to allow you closer. He loves that. And then linked with that, he. He turns us around and we look into the world in which we live And we say, Lord, open my eyes to see Those around me, those who I come in contact with that are in need And that need might be very subtle But very deep It might not look much on the surface But there might be something that the Lord shows us And he says, I want you to walk alongside her or him And I want you to be their friend. And I want you to love them as I love them. And I want you to, just by who you are with them, which means the good, the bad and the ugly, pray for a thirst in them to arise that will cause them to seek after me. And when they do, I want you to lead them to me. And I want you to tell them that you don't know what you're doing and that you're insecure and you've never done this before. But you're part of a body, there are other people who can help. And I want you to lead them to me. And I want you to know the joy of that new birth because you've been obedient. And if you want life in your life, then give it away. If you want to walk on water I'll teach you how to walk on water you walk on water by listening to me Jesus and then responding to me taking a few risks and it'll be fun and yeah you'll be afraid but it doesn't matter Who is the person that's on that brochure That the Lord brings to your mind right now? Ask him And don't stress over it Just ask him over the next day Who is it Lord? Because he has someone I've told you before You know Wayne used to be on my list a long time ago And it was unbelievable to me That Wayne would ever come to church So don't be shy or or, or scared of of whoever comes to to mind. And then let the Lord lead you in three months. So if you're up to the challenge, and this is obviously going to be embarrassing because very few probably will stay seated, but that's okay. Stand up and we can ask the Lord to just empower us to. To do this stuff. If you don't want to be empowered and you want to live in your miserable life, just stay seated. (laughs) Really we have to have a sense of humor because we are such a mixed bag. And that's why we need Jesus. And it's all about Jesus and that's another area that we can pray for, that Jesus will be the center of everything. He is the source of everything. So just put your hands out as I taught you, you know, put your hands out, open your palms, because that means you're empty and humble. Right? And Jesus, we just pray, just welcome Him and just say, Thank you, Lord, that you give me what I don't have. And Father, we just pray right now, we come before you as a church and covenant before you. That you have called us to look after and reach out to the lost. You have reached out to us. You have called us to be a people. Who recognize the incredible richness you've given us materially. And you've called us to share that as we share ourselves. Lord, we're all mixed up. We don't know how to do this stuff. We want to and we don't want to. You know the story. But we're standing here before you open-handed to say we desire to desire. And we want to learn how to serve you better and how to be good Samaritans in the world in which you've placed us. And so we pray... For ourselves, we pray for this church. We pray for your spirit to take these earthen vessels that we present to you and fill them with the love of Jesus. That we will have the privilege and the joy of seeing others come to you and be healed, be made new in many, many different ways. And in the process, we also give you permission to heal us more, Lord. So we bless you because we know that you love these kinds of prayers. And as we break bread together now, we just pray that, Father, you will have your way with us. And give us a humility that makes it easy for your Spirit to flow in this place. May we be a place where the Spirit flows easily, because it's a deep valley where the water flows. And when you see Jericho Road, you see a spirit of humility and kindness. You see a people of compassion and generosity. You see, people who put themselves out, who ask forgiveness quickly, and who don't hold grudges. So we bless you, Jesus, that you have shown us the way and we covenant to follow you along Jericho Road this, this year and to help each other along that road. To your praise and honor and glory, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen So we can't have that kind of talk without sharing the peace, right?